Shall we get started with our episode, Jeff? Yeah, sure. We should probably do that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're just standing here yelling into our microphones. Ah. Ah. You think our microphones like us? No, mine hates me. We already know that. Why do you think your microphone... Hey, microphone, be nice to my friend Juliana, okay? She it, works really hard. No, it's not going to listen. It, it, This microphone actively works against me, and I know it. It has a vendetta against me ever since I pulled it out of the box. It's like, you took me out of the box, you bitch. Who do you think you are? <laughs> I was cozy in that box. There's a lesson in that. Yeah, I know. Leave your microphone in the box, otherwise it'll come after you. Actively. <laughs> I'm not censoring the word bitch, by the way. Well, that's fine. If it's good enough, if it's good enough for an Elton John song, it's yeah. That's fine. Mel was funny when she when she let us know that you left in like a swear word the other day. I was like, yeah, we had this discussion already. I thought we had it on the pod too. I thought we mentioned it to everyone. We did have it on the pod, but okay. you know what? It's one of those things that bears repeating. Like mm-hmm. anything that they can get away with saying in an episode of The Office that airs on Comedy Central, I'm not going to censor it. So it's really just like a very, very short selection of words. Welcome to Into the Fold, a show where two best friends share their love of Lee Bardugo's Grishaverse chapter by chapter. I'm Jeff. And I'm Juliana. And this week we are talking about Rune and Rising's chapters four and five. Welcome back, listeners. We are here and we are ready to get rocking and rolling into a little bit more action in these chapters as we go forward, which is very exciting. You know, these chapters that we're going to talk about today, like the whole time, maybe it's just because I finally caught on to, okay, I'm going to make time to watch Stranger Things season four. Mm -hmm. But you know, the whole like hoopla around uh, the song Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush. Mm -hmm. Like you've heard about that. Mm -hmm. Have you heard the song? Oh, yeah. I heard it actually before I realized what was going on with it, because I know the remix version that. I think this this girl named Becky redid. Um, mm-hmm. She has, I can't remember her last name, but she's a pretty good and well known artist anyway. But I had heard that on my on my Amazon Music playlist, and then all of a sudden people are like, "Yeah, this song is really popular." And I heard it, I was like, "Oh, I know that song," but it doesn't sound exactly as like the version I'm remembering. And then I realized, oh, I know the updated version, and not the original like '80s version. So. But yeah, I know the whole hoopla and the story behind it and how it's become a viral phenomenon, essentially. Yeah, yeah, it's been around for years, but it's making a huge comeback because of Stranger Things, which has happened more than once. You know, that kind of thing happens, especially mm-hmm. around Stranger Things. But I feel like that song works perfectly for these chapters. They're, they're making their way out and stuff's blowing up. Action is really starting to happen surrounding somebody other than the stupid apparatus. Yeah. And you can just kind of hear in the background, I'm running up that road, I'm running up that hill, and then let us swap our faces, or whatever the words are. The video yeah. is gone. So before we get into that, we should probably talk about the news from the front because we actually have some. Mm-hmm. News. 
that's the sinus infection version of news. Awesome. That's all, I'm sorry. That's what you get today. It's what it's what I've got. And that's that's just fine. Just bring bring who you are today to the table, and we'll accept you for who you are. You know. In the words of the band Sublime, "Love in is what I got." I said, "Remember that." Also, life is too short, so love the one you got, cause you might get run over or you might get shot. Wow, that Same was song. profound. <laughs> Those lyrics are oddly, you know what, in a weird way, those lyrics are oddly appropriate to the chapters we're talking about today. But first, we want to talk about the newsletter email blast that Lee Bardugo sent out because there's some juicy stuff in it. Yeah, so this is the email that she seems to be sending pretty much quarterly right now at this point from what I've gathered from being someone who receives these emails. And we did get an email update from Lee. And in this newsletter, we pretty much got some life and publishing updates from her. A little bit of a hellbent teaser, which we won't read here. But if you'd like to go subscribe to her email address, or if you're a listener and you want us to just send it to you, I do have it in my email. So just shoot us a DM or an email and I can copy and paste over it to you. And she also answered some long awaited writing questions that people have written into her because she will answer some questions about writing and becoming an author in general from people who are interested but the thing that we're the most uh, interested in is some of the publishing updates and also she said she's starting something new it's an adult novel but it's set in a completely different place with completely different magic and characters it's always scary to start something new but it's thrilling too the map is undrawn and anything is possible so we're going to be getting some other kind of fantasy novel or writing from Lee. We have no idea what it could be yet, except for that it's not going to be Grishaverse. It's not going to be Hellbent. I'm uh, sorry, not Hellbent, but um, within that realm of Ninth House slash Hellbent. Mm-hmm. But it's something else really new and cool. And a new map? A new map. New magic? Yeah. New characters? Yeah. New characters for us to get upset about because they're douche canoes, or for us to completely fall over because they're just so hot. Tolia, Tamar, Nikolai. Uh, it's very exciting. So, everyone stay tuned for that. We have no other information beyond that. Lee obviously is someone who kind of keeps herself brief but profound in what she says. So, I'm sure we'll find out more as time goes on. And also, she stated that. They are celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Grishaverse and the Demon in the Woods release. They unfortunately have sold out of tickets for the Grisha Gala that's happening in Los Angeles. Uh, if you are a listener and you are going to that, please let us know. We'd love to hear about your experience. But if you do want to see her, they will be having a New York City Comic Con experience and panel that you can buy tickets to. And you can go to that whether or not you're an attendee of the Comic-Con or not. And she has another woman named Danny who's going to be with there, with her there. And you can purchase your tickets soon. I believe it was like September 28th or sometime very soon, close to now, that these tickets will be going on sale. And you can also get, as part of this experience, a signed copy of Demon in the Woods, which is really exciting. And I think the tickets were only like 28 bucks, which is a huge steal, considering you also don't have to be at like a Comic-Con ticket holder as well to be part of this. So if you live in the New York area, you could just go to this one event for like 30 bucks and get a book and see Lee Bardugo and see a really awesome panel. Totally worth it, I would say. 
No kidding, especially considering um, New York Comic Con tickets. Um, I'm just looking at them now. Mm-hmm. If you get like a a one day ticket, like a Thursday ticket, a Friday ticket, a Sunday ticket, they're all sixty seven seventy five. Yeah. If you want to get multi day passes, and there's all these different things that you can get for on their website that are different price points. But basically, if you want to go to New York Comic Con itself, that's expensive. So a $28 yeah. ticket, are you kidding me? Yeah, and it's great That's too. amazing. Yeah, you get to see a panel, you probably get to at least try and get a picture and I believe a signature with her and then get the copy of Demon in the Woods that is signed, so. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. and I'd love that. And just for note also too, if you go to Lee Bardugo's website, she is, there's a link where you can find uh, places that are selling autographed versions of Demon in the Woods. There, I think, are two bookstores that are selling online copies that Lee herself has signed. So if that's something you're interested in getting for yourself, regardless of this panel or not, you definitely can go get a copy, a signed copy of Demon in the Woods from her website. So go ahead and check that out, too. And then our little final piece of news from Lee is that she hopes to give us some more spoilers about Season 2 of Shadow and Bone very soon so definitely we're going to be looking forward to that because that will be coming out in 2023 i believe so stay tuned for that listeners and we will give you any updates that we have in regards to the show in regards to books and panels and things like that and look forward to a review of the demon in the woods book from jeff and i soon because that book is coming out very soon and we will be doing an episode about our thoughts feelings and reactions to this wonderful graphic novel Oh, yeah, we're going to read it. We're going to talk about it. It's got to be like a whole separate, like we can't even make it a segment. That has to be yeah, we're just like gonna a take special a, episode by yeah. itself. We'll take a break episode and we'll do that. And we'll put the I'm sure reading. no one will mind. There's plenty of chapters left for us to get into. Yeah, definitely. I think that it will be definitely worth our time. So that's all we have in the news. And then we shall move into the voice of the people. So we got a response to something that we were talking about in our last episode from Claire, our very own Australian botkin Santa. I can't believe that that has taken off. I love it so much. I love that we already have it's two so great. clips of her doing Australian botkin Santa as part of our podcast. Truthfully, I go back and I listen to those episodes sometimes just so I could hear that. I love it. I just love that somebody actually did that. Yeah, Claire, we love it's you. It's so great. And you're, you're immortalized in our podcast forever. You are indeed. So in our last episode, we were talking about how Jesse Maley's birthday was recently. And Claire pointed out, I remember reading somewhere, I have no idea where, that a decision was made to age up the characters in the TV show. I think it gave them more freedom to do things like Jesper's sex scene in season one and not look creepy. Plus, if they cast real teenagers, there's a restrictions around how many hours per day they can work. Hope that's useful, and perhaps someone's got a reference for where that info came from. Now, as to Claire's second point, that I, I, I do know that that is the thing that is done very, very often in Hollywood. Yeah. I've, I've heard people call it a lot of things. I've heard it referred to as the cw effect i've heard it referred to as the ryan murphy effect about how they'll take people who are i mean i think we even brought up ryan murphy when we talked about this before about how they'll take people who are in their 20s or even their early 30s who still look young enough to play teenagers and they'll have them do it Mm -hmm. 
So that that that's a thing that happens all the time because Claire is correct. There are restrictions the younger you are on how often you can work, which is why when it comes to children, very very small children, they will cast twins to share the role because that way one of them can do some of the scenes and the other one can do the other scenes. Like how Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen played Michelle on Full House. Mm -hmm. That's how they did that. But to the other point about Jesper's sex scene, that is very, very fair. Because not just the actors being asked to do those kind of scenes, but if that's a scene that you want to include, then yeah, it's better if they are... If it's a young adult situation, if they're more adult than young, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, in the show, I definitely think that if you didn't have any knowledge of these characters, they read as though they're in their early 20s, I would say. Which to me feels okay for all the action that's going on here. And I'm okay with it personally. The more I think about that these kids are only, like, 17 years old in the books, I'm like, eh. But the thing is, with the characters in the books, it's a lot less sexually explicit when it comes to a lot of things. That, as opposed to the TV show so far, I would say. But there definitely is questionable stuff as we go forward into the next set of books after this. That would be... Questionable to be seeing with just teenagers by themselves. So I'm glad that they aged them up a little bit. Me too. I don't think we talked about this. I don't know if I even thought of this until now. But I think in our discussion of them aging up the characters, we might just be dealing with a situation where they had to age up the Six of Crows characters. Mm. Because the way the characters read and based on the implied timeline of how long the Shadow and Bone characters have been at this. Mm-hmm. To me, Alina and Maul and a lot of the other Grisha, they read as being about the age that all these characters come across in the mm-hmm. Shadow and Bone series. So it's almost like they had to age up the Six of Crows characters to be the same age range that the Shadow and Bone characters already were. Yeah, I guess that makes that sense. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. Because, I mean, when they cross over at a certain point, Spoiler alert, they're going to cross over at some point in the books. You're <laughs> you're dealing with a situation where uh, Kaz and the Crows and, and all the uh, characters from, from that part of the series are a few years younger than the Shadow and Bone characters that they're, they're coming across. Yeah. I, I kind of wonder how that might look a little different if they didn't all look like they were about the same age. Yeah, it definitely would play a lot different, I would say. Almost like these are our elders, but we've been through a whole bunch of shit, mm-hmm. so we're kind of on equal footing here. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see as it goes forward, but... Claire made a good point, though, mm-hmm. about the, the scene with Jesper. They couldn't... If he was... Even if he was an adult playing a teenager, that would have that would have cut so different. Okay, we have one last thing in the voice of the people. We have a lovely five-star review from KRose87, and they said, As a rather new fan of the Grishaverse, but a longer fan of good podcasters, this is a great, thoroughly entertaining read along with the Shadow and Bone book series. So thank you! Yay! Yay! Thank you, KRose87! That was the first five-star review we've gotten since February. Yeah, thank you for leaving that. We appreciate you a lot. 
It's okay. also nice to know that we are providing a great, thoroughly entertaining anything because mm-hmm. sometimes we just kind of get in the booth and it feels like we just shout nonsense at yeah. each other and then try to stitch it into Something what ends up sense. being a show. Yeah. We enter the chapter with Alina kind of coming down from a high of her power trip that she has just kind of used her power on the apparat and is really feeling herself and just excited that she can kind of like utilize her powers again and showing off for the, what do we call them? The, the sun, the people who worship the worshiper, the cult of the sun summoner. Yeah. The cult of the sun summoner. Yeah. It's interesting to me this moment because she's she says they're getting a glimpse of my real power and there's the subtext where where you can kind of feel like she's saying but are they getting to know the real person? No. Because things just keep happening to her and she's trying to figure out what it all means, what is her place, who is she as a person? Is it changing? Should it change? She doesn't know. Because they just keep adding more and more layers. Yeah, well, it's kind of an ongoing story that the Cult of the Sun Summer and the Apparat are weaving as we go forward. And she definitely is someone who, especially up until this point, hasn't had any say in what that story is, essentially. And now she's she's kind of getting to put in a few threads here and there and showing off and trying to manipulate the tapestry that's being woven. But... They're the ones holding the loom. So essentially, she can throw in some threads here and there, but I don't think they're ever going to get to know the real version of her because they're not giving her the chance to actually even fully show that off. And I don't think that it's a good idea for her to fully be herself around these people anyway, because they are definitely not trustworthy in any capacity. No, and what she's getting good at, though, is she's getting good at work in the crowd. Yeah. Thank goodness of all the things she could have learned from the apparat, instead of his questionable morals, that's the thing she picks up from him. Mm -hmm. She's like, she studied him. She spent time with his people. She knows what they want. She knows how to work them. Yeah. She knows what to say. I think she even has a line at one point where she says, I've listened to enough of the apparat's ridiculous, pompous sermons i i know what he says to motivate people i know how to get their engine running yeah she's definitely taking notes and it's a good thing that that's the only thing she's picked up from the apparatus because we don't need anything else from him and she definitely i'm i'm a I'm glad that she has a plan for him too and gives him very specific instructions as to what he is to do and makes it very public as well as to like, oh, he's going to be fasting and being in isolation for three days and make sure that his his little army of people, his people holding the guns are also going to be fasting and in isolation and make sure that all the people in the cult of the sun summer know this. So that way the apparatus can't be like, well, Alina, I, 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 I would just like to go outside my room for a day. No, no, you can't go outside your room. You can't eat anything. This is the time in which we put you in a, in a box and we run away as fast as no, we dude, can. No, dude, you're doing it wrong. What? You no, you got. That's not what the apparatus. That's not what we agreed. Alina, Alina, I have to go to the bathroom. No. (laughs) Piss on the floor. No. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, we talked uh, that that came up. I think I don't know if it was last episode or the one before, but we did wonder like, what are they doing for bathrooms? Yeah, just a giant. I don't like to think about it. Alina gives him some very specific plans, and my thoughts in my head were, okay, you have three days in isolation with the apparatus. It's time to get the f- out of there and run, 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 run up that hill, Jeff. Yep, exactly. This is where the music kicks in. Mm-hmm. If I only could. I take the apparat and I trap him in a room for three days and go running up that road. I'm running through this cave. I'm getting the hell out of this chapel. There we go. We just wrote a song. And it's legal because it's parody. Boop, boop. Yeah, no, we didn't use the pretty much almost none of the actual lyrics. No, Uh, but I want to ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. GG down for this? Mm-hmm. Okay, so who's doing a good job? Mal. Come on, who's doing a good job? Hey, who's I wrote. A good job? I wrote that he was actually super useful in this uh-huh. chapter. I uh-huh. will say, is he? He is actually being is he very. Being super... Yeah, he's being... I'm sorry. He's being what? Useful. He's being useful. Yeah, that's the only how... thing he's good at. How is he doing that? How is he being useful? By being a tracker, which is literally the only thing he's good at. He can only. Yeah. He literally is like a tool, and he uh-huh. knows. We'll get more to this later on, but he knows this, and mm-hmm. he is just a tool in Alina's tool bag. And you know what? Fine. If if we need to use this tool as a compass, fine. So be it. It's very useful to have him here. He is definitely very crucial to their success as a team. I would say during this exploration in the caves, and he even works with David to create a map, which is really. Nice and kind of sweet, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the only thing he is good for is being a compass. I love this. Unex- it's it's almost unexpected, and yet when you think about it, it makes total sense. This this kind of friendly relationship that has just kind of sprung up with David and Mal. Like, they're not mm-hmm. going to share their most intimate secrets or anything, but it's almost like this, he's the cousin who they get together at family functions, and mm-hmm. like David doesn't really like to talk to everybody, but he'll talk to Mal. Yeah. Because Mal has gotten to know him well enough. He like he knows he knows what to say and what not to say to this kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's definitely a useful thing, I would say, their collaboration in this, because that's essentially what gets them out alive in the end is the fact that Mal is able to determine direction and everything, which we get a little bit more on his background and how long he's been able to do this for, which pretty much has been since he was born. And as long as he can remember, he's just been able to track things. And we don't have like any real explanation at this point as to like why this is the way it is. But he just, for some reason has the best sense of direction and finding places and things and creatures than anyone else out there. Yep. It just, I mean, at this point, we don't have any reason to suspect there's anything going on other than he's just really, really good at it because there's prodigies for all different kinds of things. Some people are math whizzes. Some people are, you know, musical prodigies. And Mal is particularly good at tracking and hunting. Yeah. Came in handy in his military service. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, 
Yeah, so we go through these really tight spaces, these really tight caves. <laughs> Jeff Jeff knows a little bit about being in tight spaces oh, and okay. stuff. For context, I had to put on a coverall that made me feel like a leftover wrapped in plastic wrap and crawl underneath my house the other day because there's about three years of fossilized cat duties under there thanks to all the strays in our neighborhood and I had to go in there and I had to dig those out otherwise the people would not come over to change the filter in our AC unit. Like I said, Jeff knows about small, tight underground spaces. It was literally a nightmare that I have had and then I found myself in it and it was not great. But... On the other hand, now I know I can go underneath my house dressed as a leftover, and everything will be fine. Yeah, and you can join our friends on their adventure through the Caves of Wonder as they trepass through these really terrible caves that seem to be just full of random things. Just so many random landmarks and random, like, fixtures, and there's, like, a... um. Uh, what is it like a little like church or like worship center that they kind of pass through at one point and yeah all these different sized caverns and it seems to be filled with quite the array of items yeah and the way that they pass the time like it, it gets kind of hard to be sure of exactly how long they've been running up this mm-hmm. hill running through these caves like it just but the ways that they find to pass time are hilarious like the the moments where zoya is just completely over all the poems because all the poems are the Uh same. They're always about the same guy with the same steed and the same sword, but, like, everybody had to do their own version of this poem. Like, they all had the same class Mm -hmm. assignment, and they all got published, and this is, like, the only book of poems that we have left now. It's the only poems that Tolia knows. Tolia's just, like, sprouting out poems left and right. He's so, like, stoic and manly and then he did back there just reciting poetry and i love it so much it's just such a fun combination of things because he's so big and strong and yet so insightful and he likes poetry and he's mm-hmm. so spiritual and mm-hmm. <laughs> gets so mad at david because yeah. he said, David, I told you to only pack the essentials while David's waiting through this list of everything he's ever owned. And oh, David yeah. says, I did only pack the essentials. And I'm thinking this is very, very consistent with everything that we have suspected about David. David would have a very difficult time, I think, seeing anything that he... Because it, it's not just he's a pack rat or... And, or a hoarder or anything like that. It's just that the things he keeps around him are the things that he considers to be essential towards what he's doing. So, of course, when you tell somebody like that to pack the essentials, they're going to want to bring everything they've got. Yeah. Well, he's he is a material guy and he works specifically with different materials and elements and things like that. So it's kind of like telling one of the squalors, like, hey, don't bring the air with you. And they're like, oh, but I need that. That's my tool for doing things. But for David, his tool is the little items and like powders and little things that he's created or utilizes very frequently. And those are bulky. So (laughs) unfortunately, he has a very huge pack. And he definitely prioritizes also bringing the journals of Morozova, 
which is interesting because we get a little bit of information about these journals, which we didn't have before, because Alina has been looking through these journals pretty thoroughly. And she's noted that his earlier journals definitely are in regards to like non-living things and experiments that he did on those things. And then when you get to his later journals, they get a lot darker and seem to be more about amplifiers and like animal experience and also bringing things back from the dead multiple times, Mm -hmm. it sounds like. So we get a little foray into his experiments of playing with life and death. And her main question is like, what is his motivation for this? Like, why is he doing this? Because he never explains in the journals as far as she's aware and we're aware why he's doing all these things it's not like he is saying that like oh hey i'm doing these so i can like take over the world or whatever he's just writing down the experiments and then just doing them and they're wild of course anytime we have this trope where you've got a mad scientist who's getting into the things that are supposed to be forbidden it's always because they want to understand a lot of times it's either something very, very deeply personal that becomes more important to them than any harm they might indirectly cause, or it's because they just start off with curiosity. Why is this thing forbidden? And the more they start to understand about what it actually was supposed to be and why it's forbidden, they think, oh, maybe we can find a way to make this good and useful. And then that turns into them just becoming obsessed with reaching the end of their goal, and that's when it really starts to go dark. And then you find out, in the end, the hard way, why this is a thing you're not supposed to be able to do. Yeah, I kind of think of Wanda from, well, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and also her latest foray in Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. Because she's brought herself to a point where she's doing it for her kids, but she's so deranged. Oh, and, man. And just way outside, like, she's like, it's for the, my children. It's like, but dude, you're like murdering people straight up, straight up murdering people and not even thinking about it because you, your kids, the thought of you doing it for your kids is just taking you off the rails at this point. Because at that point, there is no Dana. There is only Zool. Or in this case, there is no Wanda. There is only Scarlet Witch. Yeah, yeah. Have I ever told you about what happened when that movie came out? Which one? Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. No. I lost a friend over that. And not, not like a particularly close friend, but like a person that I was, I, we were internet buddies was the thing. You know, we connected on social media through mutuals and every now and then we would chat, mm-hmm. but then they stopped being friends with me because I expressed the opinion that when Wanda Maximoff ends up, or rather when Scarlet Witch ends up being destroyed at the end of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, that I thought that that was... I think I used the phrase good and proper. Yeah. Well, I mean, she sacrificed herself for the the world and just kind of knew that she was at that point. She knows that she's deranged. She's like kind of acknowledged that she's gone off the rails and deranged and she's only hurting people. And she's like, no, I'm the one who has to end this. And so she ends it. That is, uh, I agree, and it's that she sacrifices herself, I think, that makes a difference, but as far as, like, them trying to destroy her, I, 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 it was, it was the same thing in uh, Captain America 
Civil War when Tony Stark yeah. was trying to take down Bucky. And I said, you know what? I love Bucky. But at the end of Old Yeller, they still had to take him out behind the barn. Somebody, I, I hate to say it, but they should have took Bucky out behind the barn. I said the same thing about Wanda. I said she is, she's not just a danger to herself and others. She is a danger to every herself and every other that exists throughout mm-hmm. space and time. Yeah. She, I mean, sorry, but you got to take old Yeller out behind the barn. It might have been the use of that phrase that that made this person deeply unhappy, but I just I that's what I said. I said unfortunately there is no ending in which this character remains alive and anyone is safe. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's a multiverse, Jeff. So we never know when Wanda could be coming back. True. Do you think there's a multiverse where Mal is not a douche canoe? No. No? He's a douche canoe in every version of himself? Yeah, he's consistently a douche canoe. Well, in this version of Space and Time, he's doing something very interesting by the end of Chapter 4 where he's switching up tactics accordingly because he's simultaneously using a forceful hand to keep people going when that's what they need, but he's also keeping up morale by distracting people with, you know, everyday conversations about themselves like tell me about your freckles or tell me about where you came from that brought you to where we are now or tell me about what kind of food you like yeah i think i definitely and listeners this is going to be a rarity i think he's being a good leader in this point during the books and yeah and he actually tells alina too that because they have a conversation about what he's been doing and his tactics and things like that and she is kind of distraught that he doesn't want to have any like emotional connection with her right now. And he actually expresses to her that, Hey, like I can't focus on being the leader and also having an emotional connection with you at the same time, Yep. which I think is nice because he's actually acknowledging that for once and is kind of checking in with himself. Do I think that he's using leading the group and like being this involved with leading the group as a way to kind of distract himself from some of his own personal feelings inside. Yes. Um, but I, cause we've seen Mal consistently use outside things to kind of cope with his internal feelings and ignore his internal feelings and deal with like the bigger problem that's outside the bigger problem instead of like addressing the small things that are inside the house until they, Add up to a lot, and they're coming out of the windows. Yeah. So, hey. We've even said, like, dude, stop doing what you're doing. Just tell Alina how you feel. Because in a lot of those moments, it was very much, it was him and Alina. Those were Mm -hmm. the perfect opportunities for them to have feelings and talk about them and decide what kind of relationship they have. But things have become so much more complicated by this point that they are not just the saviors of mankind against their will, and they are not just being manipulated into tracking down legendary creatures by people who are more powerful than them. Like, they have this group of people that they are responsible for, and they both, for once, care about the same group of people. So Mal is trying to be reasonable and say, look, This isn't the time or place for us to get into this. We need to take care of these people, get to where we're going, and then when things calm down again, then we can revisit this. Yeah. I just think that when they actually get to talk, 
there's been so many things happening that they haven't had like a emotional check-in for so long that though they're both facing the same external goal i feel like internally they're on they're so far away from each other on different pages like so far away from each other at this point true so friends sometimes it's just good to check in with your so-called significant other on an emotional level on a regular basis so that way you can just like stay on the same page it makes things easier in the long run just a thought and a feeling agreed and sometimes there's just explosions in the distance. Yes, I was going to say, with that, we move in with a boom into chapter five. And we, we never learn where these explosions are even coming from. They don't tell us. They're just coming from up above, but we don't actually learn what they actually are. Well, who knows? Yeah, but that's okay. Um, and it, it's very chaotic in this these scenes. There's things falling. There are some really cool actions happening with the squalors who are creating like air bubbles to kind of stop the caves from falling in on them and also derailing some of the rocks from hitting people, which I think is a really cool use of their power. I definitely was very impressed by the use of the specifically the squalor power in these chapters because we see them again creating those air bubbles of protection. And then we see Zoya throwing her voice, which is really cool. I love it because it's you don't really think about the defensive properties or the protective properties of the Grisha power. You think power. Power mm-hmm. is offense. Offense is attack. So you think of heart renders making people's hearts explode, and you think of people summoning fire or water or air so that they can use it to go against their enemies, but you don't think about people summoning these things to protect. Yeah, and we even see Sergei, who has lowered he and, um, I'm sorry, I can't remember the other guy's name who's with them. Um, he, he lowers their heart rates, so that way when they're in the caves isolated by themselves, they're intaking less oxygen. Mm-hmm. So that way if they are trapped, they can survive for longer until someone finds them. And that, again, is another like defensive move of like, okay, I lowered our heart rates, so that way we're using less oxygen so we can survive for longer. As opposed to using it as an offensive move and like stopping someone else's heart from from going, but yeah, we definitely do see some really awesome defensive actions coming from our Grisha, which I think is really cool to see, especially since we haven't seen them use their powers for a while. True, we really haven't. We've been focused on the drama between drama. specific characters, and we've really only been focused on the power of Alina. We haven't really, because the Grisha have now been so divided that we really haven't gotten into what these other Grisha are able to do. Especially not in these first couple Mm -hmm. chapters where we've been underground and we've established that Alina's powers haven't been working as well because she doesn't have direct exposure to sunlight. We haven't thought about the effect of this environment on other Grisha and their abilities. When you brought up the thing about them lowering the heart rates, it reminded us that it's good to study not only the source of your Grisha power and how to develop it, but also you have to understand real life science. science. Yeah, you have to understand science. You have to understand physics. You have to understand how the world around you works as it applies to everybody because you still have a human body. You still have to be able to know how your environment is going to affect your human body. Yeah, well, it's not even just the human body, too. It's how the environment affects itself and, like, how sound waves carry through the air and how 
Yeah, sound is something that you hear, and technically air is usually something that you feel, but air is still the carrying device for sound waves. And so if you bend that, you can change how people hear things. And it's definitely super interesting. And we do get the reminder, Jeff, that Zoya is very smart and intelligent and clever. I like how she's, I think she's telling Adric, because he's asking how to teach her how to do it. And she's like, oh, we just learned it at camp because we were having fun listening to people and eavesdropping on them. It's like, yeah, okay, of course. <laughs> they learned this incredibly clever, fun move, but then they use it for childhood yeah. nonsense. That tracks. Yeah. But still, you still have to have a certain amount of intelligence and cleverness to be able to do even that. Oh, yeah. Well, it just shows from like even a young age, Zoya was really clever in how she utilized her powers. Yeah. And the more we find out about Zoya, the more we're going to see with this character that it's always been the same story with her. She is smarter than your average person. She is Mm -hmm. more powerful than your average Grisha. She is more clever and more cunning than your average soldier. And yet, because of her beauty, it has been an asset as well as a curse. Because people look at her and the exterior is the first thing that they see. And for some people, they don't look deeper than that. It just they think that that's all that matters. Well, and we also see that she has a lot of ambition, and I think some of it is an ambition for gaining power, but I don't think that, as we go forward in the book, Jeff, I don't think that is her main motivation, is like power itself, but it is something that is associated with the goals that she's working towards personally, internally, and we only see her from this point kind of trying to associate herself with those in power and at the beginning of the book trying to like suck up to the app sorry the um the darkling a little bit and gain some of that power but i think as we go forward we'll get a better picture as to what exactly is happening but she definitely is a complex character that i'm looking forward to getting to know better as we go forward in the books me too there's one thing that we don't get that i'm disappointed by and it's only because alina brings it up uh-huh. Here's what I need. I need yeah. a multi-volume alternate universe fan fiction series where each chapter of the series will show a different outcome of where they end up when they leave these tunnels. Because Alina points out at one point that they don't know where they're going to pop up when they finally reach the light at the end of the tunnel, literally. Mm-hmm. They could pop up in the middle of a church service or a market. And then she says they could pop up in a brothel and then thinks to herself, and good day to you, sir. Like, that's what you would yeah. call that chapter. Chapter five, and good day to you, sir, where they pop yeah. up in a brothel. That would be pretty funny. That Like, a guy and, and his um company are just standing there wearing chicken suits and they've got all these loaves of bread on the counter, and the guy just says, uh, I can explain. And they're like, no, 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 no need. We'll just, uh... We'll show ourselves out, We'll Thank just you very much. go back in the tunnel and take our chances with the apparat. <laughs> wow, that must have been a very striking scene, then, for them to go back into the tunnel for that. I mean, if, I, if I'm walking through a mysterious tunnel after going through a dreadful ordeal and I pop up and the first thing I see is a couple of people about to get it on in chicken suits and there's all these loaves of bread that I can't explain that I don't want to, and this guy acts like he's about to explain what is happening here, I don't want to know. I do not want to know why you're wearing a chicken suit. Don't tell I me that. Isabel. I feel like Zoya would pop out and she'd be like, nope. And she'd just go right back in. They'd be like, come on, we got to go walk through the room. She'd be like, no, 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 no. This is too much for me today. I've had too long of a day today. Yeah, I can't deal with this. It's too much. I also love the exchange between 
Zoya and Alina because now that they have all these things removed from between them to make them petty towards each other, now mm-hmm. we're seeing this, but it's still, they're still getting in some good jokes at each other because that's the kind of friendship that they're going to have. But they're also making peace and kind of reaching this understanding without either of them being too vulnerable. So it's a different kind of dynamic from the one that Alina has with Jenya. Because they're not going to tell each other their deepest secrets, at least not because they feel like doing it. They would do it if it was necessary. But Mm -hmm. they're going to have the kind of friendship where, yeah, they agree and yeah, they appreciate each other. But there's always this subtext of, but you're still a bitch. Yeah, they they love to hate each other, but they also love to be on the same side and complain about the same things, too. They're that person you go to when you, you're like, did you see what Charles did yesterday? I can't believe he was wearing a chicken suit again to the holiday party. I told him a million times not to wear that chicken suit. Like, people know what he's doing in it. It's gross. He thinks he people don't know, it. but they know. Bok, bok, and- am I right? Bok, bok. Oh, I hope he doesn't Ew, lay an egg. Gross. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of conversation that Zoya and Alina are having, essentially. Just mutual bitching together I lo- <laughs> of them the- being on the same side. Oh, definitely. I loved your Zoya accent earlier, by the way. It's perfect. It's spot on. But at the same time, I kind of... <laughs> Sometimes I read Zoya's lines as Jocelyn from Bob's Burgers. Oh, how does she sound? You have to remind me how she sounds, Jeff. Like what I was just doing a minute ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Alina, (laughs) like, I know that you and Mal have this thing going on, but he doesn't seem into you right now. So, like, tell him he knows where to find me if he needs company. You see, that tracks, too. I feel like I do the more the, the uh, what are you doing, Alina? Because that's more or less what the person in the audiobook does. That's she gives yeah. That's her, what uh, not Lauren Fortgang. Yeah, Lauren Fortgang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she gives her. Oh, Alina, look at what you're doing over there. Just kind of like a dis a distasteful Russian accent, distasteful towards the person she's talking to, like because they they put a sour taste in her mouth. Russian accent. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And just as a brief point about why I love Lauren Gang's interpretation of the characters is some of the accents might sound kind of similar, but what I love is that it feels like each character is still distinct because she mm-hmm. really lets the text for each character inform her acting choices. And it's one of mm-hmm. the things that Lee does so well is she gets to know her characters to the point that what each character is saying sounds exactly right and so when lauren Fortgang gets in the booth to record the audiobooks she knows what to do because each character is written very very clearly yeah yeah and she does a great job i do love the audiobooks a lot so kudos to lauren Fortgang for doing a fabulous job but speaking of books jeff yeah i forget when it comes up but um tolia or tamar i think it's tolia is talking about how they had yeah tons of fun in air quotes Mm -hmm. with their dad growing up and Mm -hmm. i'm like am i the only person that wants a novella where we find out like what it was actually like for tolia and tamar growing up to get from being small children to being these very interesting like spiritual warrior poet philosopher queer icons 
Yeah, it must have been a wild time to grow up in their house. Just constantly, I imagine just like a constant flux between yoga and meditation and battling people with giant knives. Oh yeah, like they definitely had a schedule in their house. Wake up, breakfast, scripture reading, yoga, weapons practice, more scripture reading, creative writing classes, 5.30, jazzercise. Jazz, yeah, that yeah kind of definitely jazzercise at 5.30 every day. Do people still jazzercise? I don't, I've never seen it at a, at a recent uh, gym that I belonged to. But you know, friends, if you go on YouTube, you can easily find a jazzercise video that you can partake in. And if you do do that, please send us a video. I would love to see you jazzercising. I feel like I've never seen jazzercise, and yet somehow jazzercise is one of those things that it, it, it was... It became this huge exercise craze. It was like sweating to the oldies with, what's his name, Richard Simmons? Was that him? Oh, yeah. Richard, Sim- Richard Simmons did jazzercise, too. You had that. You had the Jane Fonda workout tapes. You had yoga. And then you had Zumba. And You know my favorite? Have, so I don't know if you've heard of this, Jeff. Or not, but this is my favorite exercise video. And friends, you can find this on YouTube, too. Um is uh, this wonderful exercise routine called Prancer Size? Have you oh, seen? Oh no, have you I seen have not Pran- seen Prancer Size. What's that? Oh, uh, it takes inspiration from horses. Um, and there's this woman who, instead of walking or skipping or running, you prance um, from location to location, and you do that as your form of exercise. And it's very uh, movement based, and a lot of just prancing and feeling feeling the horses move through your body and just prancing like a horse and making it graceful with your movement as you prancercise. There's a lot of arm movement that's involved and just kind of like a prancing skip movement that you do as you carry through your your exercise routine. Interesting. Yeah, definitely go check that out later, Jeff. Oh, uh, I'm definitely going to look that up. I can't wait to see that. I can't believe you've never seen Prancercise. That's a classic. Nope, never heard of it. Wow. You poor soul. Now, when Mal, I'll admit, when Mal talks about how he got this I am become a blade tattoo, mm-hmm. well, there was only one thing to do with that. I had to go on Google and I had to look it up and see if anybody is getting this tattoo because I've got my uh, dregs tattoo from Six of Crows, which... Lee Bardugo acknowledged on social media, and it was one of the best days of my life. Yeah. But I had to know, has anybody gotten this I am become a blade tattoo on social media? And as far as I can tell, the answer is no. I couldn't find any pictures of it, but what I did find was a lot of people took a shirtless image of Mal from the Netflix series, and they have come up with creative photoshopped versions of him with basically full body tattoos you know like adam levine from maroon 5 oh my god his tattoos are just too much do you know the comedian pete davidson oh yes we all know pete davidson if you don't know pete davidson you're truly living under a rock at this point interestingly enough pete davidson has had his removed which is incredible if you think about it because he had tattoos all over his entire body and he got them removed i can't imagine the the pain or the money or the time to get all those taken off but he did Mm -hmm. but i mean these photoshop pictures of mal with this tattoo that's what they look like and yes 
it does, when you do it that way, it makes him look like more of a douche canoe. I like the one, I'm looking at some of them now. Okay, so I got two things. First one is, uh, I'm going to put this in our doc, Jeff, so that way you can enjoy this first. Uh, this is a meme that someone created that I think you're going to appreciate. So let's let's put that into the doc under here. I don't know if you've read those books, The Animorphs, Jeff. I have. When, we, when you were a kid, but check out the doc. There's nice, someone made a nice uh, little animal. <laughs> <laughs> With, it's just Malin eventually, he, he transforms he into, a into, okay, I get it. I am that's, become that's a, funny a blade. One. I get it. Hilarious. Classic. But the other one is a picture that I found that is him, the shot of him and alina from the netflix show where he's facing forward yeah and it says i become a blade on his chest and wow he looks like a douche (laughs) oh gosh yeah it's 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 very difficult for some people i guess to just pull off full body tattoos and not look terrible here i'm gonna i'm gonna drop you one more in the dock for you just just for your your live entertainment you know there you go uh it's got i got nothing it should be coming oh, in a second. <laughs> I have become a butter knife. Someone, someone put his head on a someone wearing a butter knife oh. Halloween costume. Jesus Pretty Christ. funny. Pretty funny. I like the Animorph one, though. That's a throwback in itself right there. That's oh, a good one. Man. How do how do people... Oh, internet, sometimes you come up with good things. There we go. We found two lovely things on there the internet go. today. Yeah, we're going to have to put those on our social media. We're going to have to put those uh, on our Instagram. Oh, yeah, those will go up. Don't worry. That, that's why I left them in the dock, too, so I can get them easily so they're here for me to pull from. And then to just kind of round off the chapter, we they make it out of the cave, which is good, but then they get immediately cornered by mm-hmm. an army of folks who are trying to decide what to do with them. And it turns out Mal actually knows some of them, which is very, very helpful because they mention auctioning off Alina to Nikolai, which means he's alive. Yeah. And guess what? We end the chapter with a large hint of the fact that Nikolai is hiding in the shadows somewhere. (laughs) Because as soon as the closer and closer we get to the end of the chapter, Alina's like, I know that voice. Where is that voice coming from? Why are they saying that that's a good idea to auction me off to Nikolai? Oh, wait. Hold on. Ambush. Bam. I have a strong feeling we're walking into Nikolai walking in on the next chapter. Ta-da! Nikolai is back, my boy. Nikolai. So that's where we will start from when we get into the next couple of chapters. Yes. Yes. We'll start off with a... Very big dramatic entrance from Nikolai, I assume. I have not read the beginning of the next chapter yet. We will have to make sure that you have lots of pillows stationed around your recording area for all of the swooning fits every time Nikolai says something clever. I love Nikolai. I love a sassy, clever boy, and he's a sassy, clever boy. And so you know what? He's for me. We'll take him. So... What on earth have you prepared for our fun segment today? What are we doing? So I thought that we would do something that's a little bit more like personal and revealing today, listeners. So today, Jeff is going to, via me, is going to be taking a BuzzFeed quiz. Oh, God. What BuzzFeed quiz am I doing? 
So this philosophy quiz is entitled, If Your Life Had a Soundtrack, Which Ariana Grande Song Would It Be? Uh, <laughs> I thought course. this was relevant to the Darkling, relevant to Jeff, relevant uh, to us learning more about who Jeff is as a person, you know? Of Personal course. development. Yeah, sure. I mean, there are a lot of Ariana Grande songs that I do like. Yeah. So we're going to figure out which album actually sorry which album is would it be we're gonna figure out which album is your soundtrack for your life Jeff. so okay so are we not doing the quiz together well i already took it i wanted to do it with, we could do it together if you want you okay want to do it together yeah let's do it together okay because i can't even remember what question i got so what we can do then is we can read off the question and the answers so we can go back and forth so i'll do the first one and then if you want to do the second one and then we'll go back and forth okay and we can go from there yeah so, let's do it Okay, listeners, we're going to find out which Ariana Grande album is the soundtrack for our lives. So, our first question. When is the last time you cried? Last night? I don't remember. Maybe a week ago? It was a while ago. A long time ago. When I was a baby, lol. Mm, It was a while ago. Probably maybe a week ago. I have a lot of feelings and emotions. It was a while ago. I remember when it was. Yeah, I, I cry more than I care to a lot of the time. Some of it was because it, it was it was a couple of months back. It, part of it was because of stuff that was going on, but I think mainly it was just because I was so incredibly exhausted from how long I had been awake that I think my oh, body yeah. was just like, you know what? I'm gonna unleash everything that you got right now, and I'm gonna wear yep. you out so that you have no choice but to sleep. Sounds fair to me. All right. So the next question is current relationship status complicated a scandalous but exciting new someone wink with my forever person with someone who brings me joy my first love and single well i think we both know the answer to this one jeff well yeah for you but for me it's tricky because with my forever person and with someone who brings me joy Um, i mean i guess you would pick someone who brings me joy if they're making you happy now but you don't like know if you're gonna be together forever so i'm gonna say with mm -hmm. my forever person because i'm very very happily married yeah, I was going to say, I would pick my forever person for you, Jeff, because yep. I, I read that same one, the same thing. It doesn't sound like the person who brings you joy is the possibly the most permanent person. So, But we all knew I was single. That was not a mystery. Uh, okay, what is your worst trait? I overthink everything. I'm too impulsive. I'm a hopeless romantic to a fault. It's hard for me to trust. Lying. I can be pretty needy. Impulsiveness, maybe? I can see impulsiveness because, I mean, it worked out great in the end, and it's a fun story that we can tell now, but your reaction to maybe we should start a podcast about the Greaserverse was, okay, here's a logo, here's some folders, here's a title, yeah, here's like a Google, and I'm like, wait a minute. I love to react. Mine is definitely overthinking. I will also agree with that on you, Jeff. I know you well enough to say that can confirm that Jeff does really think things through to a point sometimes where he has mold it over to the point where it's too much (laughs) yep so next question how would you describe your self-confidence sky high still learning to love and accept myself feel like i'm not enough i'm limited edition nobody's like me i'm constantly worried what others think about me and okay but could be better See, I'm going back and forth between okay, but could be better, and also I'm limited edition, nobody's like me. I feel like that's more my vibe. I definitely I'm going with limited edition, nobody's like me, because I I am I 
I know that I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I know that there are people who don't like me, and I can't even necessarily say that there is no good reason for someone to dislike me. But I'm secure enough in who I am as a person that if there's something about me that I like that somebody else doesn't, that doesn't bother me anymore. It used to, but it doesn't now, because who cares? Yeah, well, and self-confidence is a journey that everyone has to go on, for sure. So, And I feel like, too, one of the things that I say all the time, too, is there's only one Juliana out there. That's for sure. Yeah, there is, yeah. (laughs) Even the look Jeff just gave me, I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, okay, I picked the right one. (laughs) (laughs) I Okay, I look forward to you reading this next one. Okay, pick a lyric that you relate to the most. Daydreaming with my chin in the palm of my hand about you. If I can't be me, then what's the point? I'm living the pain. I don't ever want to live. Oh, sorry. I'm loving the pain. I don't ever want to live without it. All them demons help me see differently. So don't be sad for me. I don't know what I do without you in my life. I'd be so sour. Falling, falling, but never thought you'd leave me. What's interesting is none of these lyrics are the ones that I would think would be here because they might be from It is a BuzzFeed quiz. Well, yeah, but like you would think this is the part where I break free or I've got one less problem without you. Without you, you, yeah. Or even right now I'm in a state of or no tears left to cry or thank you, next, I'm so f***ing grateful for my ex. But no, it's it's interesting. Yeah, so... Whoever made this definitely has an interesting choice of what lyrics they picked. I'm definitely going with, if I can't be me, then what's the point? That's the one I was going to I say too. that to people all the time. You're the yeah. only one of you that there is, so you better own it and accentuate the positives of it and, you know, be happy with that because you can't be other people. They're taken. In fact, yeah. that's the quote I give to people more often than any other is Oscar Wilde once said, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Mm-hmm. I also say I had this friend in high school who was my best friend Lydia shout out to Lydia she definitely doesn't listen to this podcast uh, but she was you would say something along the lines of like I think it's like 65 or 70 percent of people decide they don't even like you before you even start speaking so why not just be you already because there's no point in trying to impress someone who's already decided that they don't like 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 whatever the fi- like the fictional version that they've created of you in their head just from seeing your you in person so just be you because it's not worth trying to impress someone who's already like made a decision whether they like you or not. So don't waste your time. Don't waste your energy. Just be you. Yep. And now, Jeff, I'm excited for you to describe what's going on in this next oh, section. Oh, yeah, this is great because this is not words. This The next question is choose a photo that best describes your morning routine. And the best part of this is that I feel like these are pictures of the morning routine that we just broke down earlier for Tolia and Tamar growing up with uh-huh. their dad. So yeah, you've maybe got... minus the bra. No, I mean that. Well, you know, I mean, fashion is a little different in the Grishaverse. Who knows? They never. That... The word bra does not appear in any Grishaverse novel. Prove me wrong. Moving on. So with these pictures, <laughs> there's um, there's a person on their back with their feet up in the air, reading a book, chilling, relaxing. There's a person doing yoga in. A color that I feel like only works with yoga clothes if it works with yoga outfits. Yeah, this like kind of dingy green. Yeah, there is a person crying. That picture is kind of hard to look at. There's a bra. (laughs) I don't know. I don't even know. It's a lacy bra (laughs) next to some flowers. There's a book underneath. What the? 
I don't know if picture? they're saying like I get dressed, I, I have guess. sex in the morning, I, mean, I read a book while yeah. I'm in my boudoir. <laughs> I mean, there's the earrings in the picture too. I don't know what that is. If this is your morning, please tell us what this picture means. But then you've yeah. also got a bunch of people who have different beverages. Two of them look like they've got these chai lattes with like the foam art on top going on and one person's got uh, I don't know if this is a breakfast cocktail or a nice coffee, but you know, yeah. brunch probably. Yeah. And then the last brunch. picture is just a person who is um doing their skincare routine. Hair is wrapped up in a towel. They're moisturizing their lips. So that's basically it: reading, yoga, crying, getting dressed, brunch, and um doing your skincare routine. I guess. Out of all mm. of these. I guess I'm gonna go with coffee because I what? drink a lot of it. I don't do yoga. I do run. I do go to the gym. I read, but not as often as I wish I did. I don't cry that much. I don't wear bras, and I my skincare regimen is not as solid as I wish it was, so I'm going with coffee. What, you're... Morning doesn't start with a boudoir library, Jeff? No, my morning does not start with a boudoir library, Juliana. <laughs> Which one of these is you? I mean, obviously mine's the boudoir li- library. That's what I start every morning. With. Just like I wake up and I'm like, it's time to be sexy and read a book. If there was a picture of a person <laughs> running with a dog. I know. That would be you. I, I'm going to pick the yoga because that's like the closest to what my morning is. It's some kind of physical activity. Usually okay. running. So. We're going to pick those ones. Sorry to disappoint. I do not have a boudoir library. Fair. Okay. And then, and then our, next, our next question. Choose the outfit you're most likely to wear. We have a girl spinning with a tank top and possibly a skirt. Maybe. Can't see. So a kind of crop top tank top. We have a crew neck sweatshirt with jeans and white keds. We have a crop top t-shirt with jeans. Like skinny light jeans. jeans. Yep. Light wash skinny jeans and converse. We have this girl who looks like she wants to vomit, who is wearing a kind of baggy, fashionable shirt with a bow on it. We then clearly have a drag queen right here who is wearing a tight mini dress with puffy sleeves and thigh-high white boots that are at least four inches on the heel that are a stiletto and a tiny bag. Like, this person is making a fashion statement. And then we have another person making a fashion statement wearing some kind of bikini slash underwear set with an overlaying kind of mesh looking dress on a beach. Now it's tricky for me because it wants to know an outfit you'd most likely wear. I would wear the sweat. And not want to wear, Jeff. Okay, see, my wife has dresses like this and sometimes she does let me wear them. So I want to pick the dress that's in the bottom right hand corner because I do. Oh, the drag queen dress? Yeah, only because Mm -hmm. I I wear sweatshirts, but I would not wear an all white anything. Especially yeah. not a sweatshirt, and I'm sorry, but white kids, not my kind of shoe. So I'm going with the yeah. goth dress. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm gonna have to go with the sweatshirt because I'm just like I so am the person who's constantly wearing shorts and a sweatshirt that like I or when I'm at work I'm wearing <laughs> scrubs. So I'm like never out of non comfortable co- clothing. Essentially, I can't remember the last time I dressed up and wore a dress. Honestly, it was a long time ago. Fair enough. So. Would no. I like to look fabulous? Yes. Do I have the energy? No. no. 
<laughs> no. And if now, someone, I, I do have the fever dream of becoming a, a becoming Constance Patient, the drag queen, at some point. So if anyone out there lives in the Massachusetts area and wants to do a drag queen makeover on me, please let me know. For our final question, finally, how do you cope with issues? <laughs> Talking to people, destruction, crying, treating myself, reading or journaling, and I don't. Well, I know which one Mal would say. He would say, I don't. No, I think he would say destruction. <laughs> mm. Because he goes and he gets into Grisha fight clubs. I'm going to say talking to people. Because I know for me that personally talking things out with people is the best strategy for me. So I'm going to say talking to people. Me too. I I'm going to say talking to people. Oh boy. Okay, Jeff, what did you get? You tell me yours first. Wait, who do you? What album do you think I got? Um... I, to be honest, a lot of the albums for Ari, especially the last couple of albums of Ariana Grande's, I, I'm not 100% sure what the difference is between them. Ah, well, that's okay. So I got Dangerous Woman. Oh, that's a it good, says, now that one I know. Yeah, it says, it seems as though you've matured and you've finally grown into a woman's. You no longer care about what anyone thinks about you and anonymous, anonymous because if it can't be me, then what's the point? This is your bad bitch era for sure, queen. You're long, no longer afraid to speak what you believe in and embrace your femininity. Also, it seems like you've met someone who excites you and makes you want to do things you shouldn't. Ooh. BTW, you so horny. Calm down, baby. Uh. <laughs> oh, God. I don't think so. Uh, I, I can confirm thing? the last section. No, not so no, much. No, that is no. no. No, no. Julian is a demisexual. That's not the road we usually go down. Yeah. You have to be you have to be a very specific brand of person. So So what album do you think I got? I don't know, Jeff. What do album you, did you get? Do you know that first of all, do you know the names of Ariana Grande albums any better than I do? No, but I could look it up. Okay, so real quick, look up the names of all the albums that Ariana Grande has recorded and based off of that, tell me which one you think I got. Thank you, next. Interesting. What'd you get? I got positions. Oh, okay. Here's what it says. You finally healed from the pain. You're slowly learning how to trust and love again. It seems as though you've met someone new, but you're afraid to break down your walls due to your past relationships. You've learned to call bullshit out from a mile away due to your past, but now you're learning to accept and acknowledge your self-worth and achievements. Are you into manifestation? Is this special someone the one? So proud of how far you've come, friend. Wow, you're growing, Jeff. Yeah, the only part of that that I really feel like is accurate is that I have learned to call bullshit out from a mile away due to my past, but I yeah. am learning to accept and acknowledge my self-worth and achievements. But as far as all of the other stuff, this... I, I, I th There was a question about, like, what is your relationship status? And I did say that I'm with my forever person, but it doesn't ask how long you've been together. My wife and I have been together for going on 13 years, and we've been married for going on seven of those years. So, no, I am not healing from a past relationship and moving on with someone new. I am I'm very much settled with the correct person. Yeah. So nice well. try. Also, I looked up... Part of what took me a minute, why I wanted you to go first, was I was looking up the songs on Positions. That album came out ah. last year. I don't recognize a single one of these. 
Oh, really? No, I don't. I, I, I may have heard them, but if I have heard them, I'm unaware of it. Like, I think No Tears Left to Cry is the last Ariana Grande song that I heard, but I don't even know what album that's off of. I feel like I know some of these songs, but I just don't know them by their name. I know them by, like, the tune of the song. So I'd have to go through and, like, listen to the whole thing to figure out, or at least some earworms of each of these to figure out if I know them or not. Yeah, for the record, No Tears Left to Cry is off the album Sweetener, which came out in 2018, and Positions is the most recent album she has come out with, and I don't recognize, like, I recognize the title of the song 34 plus 35, but I don't know what that means, and I I don't think I've heard any of these songs. I'll have to go back and listen to some Aria Grande songs then today, then. We both do. But it's nice to know that based on a BuzzFeed quiz that is definitely based on sound social science that it thinks that this album describes me, so great. Exactly. Great. Okay, so then we will move on to our question. And we had a question that we asked our listeners last week, Jeff, and that was what? Now, last week we had questions for our listeners. Specifically, we wanted to know who is a worse villain and why. And we gave them the Darkling and the Apparat. And everybody chose the Apparat. Some people just kept it really simple. Like Fantasy Book Sock on Instagram said, 100 the Apparat. Kayla Lynn said, the Apparat. The Darkling at least admits he's evil. The Apparat pretends to be good so much that he's even deluded himself. Which is fair. The Darkling does think that his mission is is right and just, and the Darkling does admit that he has a darkness, but I don't know if he necessarily considers what he does evil. He admits he's a villain, but he's a villain with purpose. Like, he's one of those villains, kind of like Thanos. He knows that people won't like what he's doing, but he thinks he's doing the only thing that can be done. It's the only thing that makes mm-hmm. sense. So yeah, I get that's that. that's true. Mm-hmm. Ghostless Art said, The Apparat, with two exclamation points. To me, villains who can't see what they're doing wrong are even worse. So that's kind of the same thing. He can't see, because I think by his own admission, the Darkling knows that what he's doing is at least somewhat, to some people, wrong. It's just not wrong to him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's invested in this project a long time ago, and he's like, yep, this is what's right. I believe it. I'm the Darkling. He, 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 he. (laughs) And Krose108 said, Apparat without a doubt. He's just an ass in secret. At least the Darkling is an ass in public, too. The Darkling has a more redeeming backstory anyways that makes sense why he ended up where he ended up. The Apparat is just hungry for power. Mm. We don't get a backstory on the Apparat. Yeah. We really don't. Because he's one of those ambiguous characters. We don't know where he came from. We don't know what his real name was. We don't know where this thirst for power was born. We don't know. But even if we... It it makes you wonder. Is there a backstory that could possibly exist for the Apparat that would make him more relatable? And if we were to get it, would it feel organic? Like the Darkling's backstory? Hmm that we've been getting in pieces this whole time or would it feel like it was just being put out there as an afterthought to see if maybe they can get some people to come around i think it'd be nice to have a fan write the backstory of the apparat someone do it as like a fan fiction and i think that essentially in my head the apparat just grew up with Gilbert Gilford Gottfried as his dad and <laughs> in in Jafar's castle specifically he was one of the uh oh, one of 
one of the servants in Jafar's castle, and uh, his yeah, dad yeah. was the the lead servant who got magically turned into Iago the parrot as things went on. Now, so. son, have a good day at school, and don't forget to turn in your book report on how to become a leader in the shadows, which is a book written by me. I don't want to, Dad. But you have to because you're in school. Fine, as long as you give me gummy bears, I'll do my homework. Gummy bears are for people who bring home A's on their report card, but only if you blackmail your teacher into giving you the grade. A B plus is pretty much an A. And I also blackmailed my friend. <laughs> and scene. We gotta do more of that. Yeah, the apparat plus uh, the apparat and son. Yeah, we. You know what? We are going to create a theatrical experience out of the apparat's backstory, and we're gonna do it like that, and it's gonna be horrible. What's his real name? I don't. It has know. to be something Godfrey. We have to come up with a first name for him. Listeners, if you have a first name to go along with Godfrey, because that's gonna be his last name, obviously, because his dad is Gilbert. So going back for a second, we have one more response, and it was a really interesting response that we got from Knotted Yarn 112. They said, are we talking about who is a worse villain or a worse person? I think the Darkling has done more evil things, but the Apparat is far more hateable. To use a Harry Potter comparison, it's something of an umbridge Voldemort dynamic. One is your stereotypical villain, dark, brooding, kills without mercy, and the other reminds you of someone you know personally and despise, manipulative, one of the hygienic extremes. Both have merit, but serve different purposes. It's a credit to the writer to write them both equally. That's fair, because you've seen a lot of memes. There are a lot of memes about how Voldemort is supposed to be the primary villain of the Harry Potter novels, mm-hmm. but then people always it put a Umbridge. yeah it, they they put a picture of Voldemort next to Umbridge. They say this guy's supposed to be the villain, but people hated this bitch way more. Oh yeah, something 100%. like that, and that's fair because the the Darkling is the one who is supposed to be the villain. He admits he's the villain, but there are a lot of people out there who are big ol' stands for the Darkling, which puzzles the author. But nobody out there is saying, you know what, maybe the Apparat isn't so bad, or maybe he's got a point, or the Apparat's kind of cute, right? No one's saying yeah, those no things. One's saying that. No, no one's, one's saying that. No one's going to. No one. No. Please don't. Please no, don't ever say that. Don't. But that was. Those are some really good answers for the conversation vis-a-vis the the Darkling or the Apparat, and we're definitely keeping that one in the bank for mm-hmm. if we ever actually get a chance to chat with the author. Yes. And for next week's question, once again, we are throwing it out to you guys because you will probably come up with such creative things that we can't wait to see what you've got. So tell us, what do you think the apparat's real name is? Can can you take that back, Jeff? And can you do that in your Gilbert Gottfried voice, please? Okay, fine. Just the question. All you got to do is read the question. All right. Hello! I'm the apparat, and I have a question for you. 
I want you to tell me what you think my real name is. Because I'm not telling. You can send us an email or a DM on Instagram, whatever that is. <laughs> that was great. I liked it. If you'd like to listen to any back episodes or any future episodes of Into the Fold, you can find us on all platforms where pods are cast, and you can even listen to us on YouTube at Into the Fold Podcast. And if you want to keep up with us on social media, we've got memes and we've got pictures from our recent excursions that are going out on our Instagram, as well as our question of the week. You can check us out on Into the Fold Pod on Instagram. And if you'd like to send us a longer form answer, you can email us at intothefoldpod at gmail.com. And also a brief reminder that we do have an Etsy shop with merch, including pins and stickers, and also handmade Grisha Kefta art and Six of Crows sweatshirts that you can purchase over at our Etsy shop, which is Grisha Trading Post. And if you want to do us something really, really cool like K-Rose 87 and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen, we would love to see them. We would love to read them. It will make us smile. We love doing that. And once again, if you are leaving us reviews anywhere other than Apple Podcasts or Spotify and we're not seeing them, please send us an email or a DM on Instagram and let us know. And if you like the show and you would like to share it with others, the best way podcasts are spread is by word of mouth. So feel free to share this with all your friends who you think would enjoy this show. And thank you to all of those who have done that already. We love you very much. And until next time. We'll see you in the fold, hopefully not wearing a chicken costume doing anything weird. Yeah, maybe we try to keep little children and profanity out of the same discussion, or maybe not so close together. Well, I was just telling them to to be careful. Yeah, the little children yeah. of profanity. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, yeah, cool, great. And now we begin. Mm-hmm. Unrelated, I can hear air on your end. Is there that's air my computer. on your end? It's my computer. Okay, so that's just going to, okay. Yeah, I can't do anything about it. It just, Is your computer like overheating? It's been making it, okay? it. It's been shutting down on me randomly. I need to contact the IT. Woo! News. News. Wow, that was I'm the subdued version. Yeah, that wasn't. I, I need more from you, Jeff. Give me more. Okay, and we have one last thing in our news from the front, and our no. Nope. Okay, sorry. Um. Oh gosh, what is happening? Before we get into our fun segment, don't stop your recording, but I have to go to the bathroom. Okay. I'll be right back. Okay. Jeff is going to the bathroom, so Julian is going to record something.
Yeah, 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 yeah. What song was I singing the other day? Oh, life is a highway. I won't ride it all night long. How many times do you have to tickle an octopus before it'll laugh? Usually it takes about ten tickles. <laughs> Why did the mushrooms get invited to all the parties? Because I don't know. Why did the mushrooms guy. get invited to all the parties? Because they're such fun guys. If you think I can't write more Grace Reverse jokes, you're wrong. Okay. So, listeners, next week, like we said, we will be talking about chapters six and seven of of Rune and Rising. I keep wanting to say Siege and Storm for some reason. Stop saying Siege and Storm, dude. I'm taking, yeah, I'm taking that back. Okay.